Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 13, and we'll read a few verses. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, and whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Dear Father in heaven, we thank You for this day and we praise You, God, for the good singing. Lord, we thank You, Lord, that we've got... Uh, Lord, even with so small a number of people tonight, we thank you, Lord, that we can sing out for your glory. We can praise your name through that. We thank you for the special song tonight, that old ship of Zion. Lord, it stirs something in me. No matter who sings it, no matter when it is, Lord, I'm glad that I can remember, Lord, stepping on board that old ship. And Father, I'm thankful, Lord, that one of these days it's going to pull out of port. And God, we pray that you'd let us remember that through these days Lord, that we live in, I pray that you touch tonight in the message. God, give us what we stand in need of. Lord, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to try to preach on this thought tonight, delivered from darkness. And um, it can be found there, our, our thought really can be found there in verse number 13. I want to read that again. He says, uh, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. And uh, I'll not really say that much about this uh, uh, this one word, but I need to to t- this word translated. He said we've been de- delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear Son. That word translated, it means a change of situation or place. And I'm thankful for that day when God delivered me from the power of darkness and He translated me into another situation, into another place. Amen. I, I still, what's the old saying, uh, you're, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. And I'm thankful for that tonight. Uh, but we look at just a few verses by way of introduction and uh, we'll come back to this uh, in our message. But I want us to know that faith in Christ, and that's the, the brunt of the message this morning, uh, as we preached about Naaman going out into uh, the River Jordan, he was obeying, finally obeying uh, the man of God and thereby the Word of God. Uh, but faith, uh, faith of not Naaman, I don't believe, because uh, he seemed to be unfaithful in that. He was fearful. He didn't really know what was going on. The Bible said in verse number 11, he was angry or he was in wrath, but I believe that there was faith on the man of God's side, and there was faith on the servant's side that God would do something. And so we kind of continue this this idea of faith, and then uh, we tie that into some verses over in the book of John, chapter number 8. He says in verse number 32, "...and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." And then we see in verse number 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Now the reason that we say or speak about these two verses is because he says that God hath delivered us from the power of darkness. And so there was a 
freedom that was made there. And we made mention of that word indeed there in John chapter number 8, verse number 36. He said, you shall be free indeed. And that word indeed, it carries the idea that you are so free, it would appear as though you had never been in bondage before. And that's the freedom that God gives us. That's that translating power. He takes us out of a situation over in Psalm 40, where we were in the muck and the mire of this world and of sin and of hell, and He pulled us up out of that. What He did is He made us free indeed. Uh, But then we see tonight that the power of darkness, and you could see anybody in your family that is still in sin, anybody that you come in contact with, they are under the power, they are in, they are facing an obstacle from this freedom that Christ wants to give, and that power is the power of darkness. So, uh, we, we deal a little bit tonight with this thought of delivered from darkness. Number one, the power of darkness. Let's look again, verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. This speaks of sin. Over in John chapter number 3, verse number 19, it tells us that men love darkness rather than light. Now, uh, Halloween is past, and some of y'all, I'm sure, went to y'all's haunted houses and stuff like that. And uh, so I got I got some time between there, and y'all won't hate me too much. But look here, I ain't going to no haunted house. I, look, there's, there's spooky things in there. It's dark. The only time the light comes on is when it's a strobe light and there's something there that's gonna scare me. I don't like none of that. I don't mind being out in the woods, but I wanna have some sort of light with me, whether it's a flashlight, whether it's a fire or something. But have you ever noticed that even if you're out there and you got the comfort of the fire, man, that thing will throw off some strange shadows and, and it'll bring out fear and you'll hear something back here that that you don't know if for sure what it is, but you know something's bad. It might be a squirrel. It could be something else. Uh, it might be an axe murder. You have no idea. But the something about the darkness steals something from us. Steals uh, maybe a joy or a substance from us uh, that we can't really get back until we get into the light. And there is a power of darkness and it speaks of sin. As I mentioned there in John chapter number 3, it seems as though this world loves darkness. The worse that it is, it is the better that they love it. Brother Jonathan Humphrey and I uh, were talking just the other day and we were talking about the movies that we would like to see, but we know we can't see them because of the rating that they're in. Uh, maybe that we were growing up, we were talking about some movies that we grew up with and uh, how that we've rewatched them and we realized how filthy that they were even back then, but we had no idea that they were. But we've grown in the Lord and now we can see, wow, that was a bad movie. Uh, but we think about all of these things uh, that we see in the world. You you, you take uh, um, um, whether it be movies, whether it's music, uh, whether it's uh, television shows, uh, any, kind of, any kind of entertainment, it seems as though the more raunchy that it can be, the more uh, um, lauded that it is. People love these things. It's because that they love darkness rather than light. And that's the, that's the shape that we're in today. Sin holds many, many people in this power or in this bondage of darkness. Sin will bind and sin will intensify darkness. Over in Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 11, if we can turn over there 
<clears throat> he says, and they have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Here, Paul is encouraging the church, encouraging the people of God to have no fellowship with Darkness. Now, we could go back to the haunted houses there if we wanted to. Uh, but I'm telling you, I, I really believe that the people of God, we ought to, we ought to be, uh, um, I don't know the right word, we ought to be opposite of the world. If they, if they love the things of the world, then of course we should love things. If they love darkness, then we should love light. More than just one man's thinking, that's God's desire, is that His people love the light. That His people walk in the light as He is in the light. That people walk as He is holy. So we ought to be holy. But rather, we still sometimes find ourselves and find others in this power of darkness. The power of sin comes from that ruler of darkness. We we look over again back in Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 12, I believe it is. We wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this present world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The power of sin comes from that ruler of darkness. And we're in conflict. No believer should ever be in in tandem with the powers of darkness. You know, I, I've heard it over the last several years, especially, uh, that, you know, a preacher or a teacher get up behind the pulpit and they say, I don't want to be political, but... And, and I get where they're coming from. They don't want to sway someone to one side or the other. But it might be good for the church to get political. It might be good for the church to say, hey, there's rulers of darkness, there's principalities and powers at work in, in this government facility or wherever it is, and we need to stand against that. Instead, we cower down and we find ourselves in 2021 uh, facing the, the ideals of socialism and this, that, and the other. But instead, we need to get in the Word and stand up against these principalities, these rulers, Christ. Christ, the light. We told you that this morning. He's the light. He's the life. And He can overcome the power of darkness. We've, we've said this before. If we could uh, make this entire room completely black, there's no light coming in whatsoever, and take just a small, just a small match. Though it may not light up in the entirety of the building, you cannot hide from that one little match. And that's the way Christ is. If we can allow that one little light, remember the, 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 the song, let my little light shine, shine all, shine all over the city, shine all, everywhere. Let it shine. If the people of God can let our lights shine, which is Christ dwelling in us, in the person of the Holy Ghost, then guess what? It's gonna drive away the darkness. Number two, there's a possibility of deliverance. Verse number 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of his sin. You know, this little word redeem or redemption, it is the process of being brought back or bought back rather. 
And I think about that song that we sing. We just sang it a week or so ago. That blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. It goes on, talked about that we are an heir of salvation. We are the purchase of God. What? What? We are the purchase of God. He has bought us back from someone that had control over us. That's our enemy. That's Satan. But I'm thankful tonight that through His redemptive power, He has gained us unto Himself. And the Scripture says, In whom we have redemption through His blood. Deliverance from bondage calls for celebration. Some of, I told you the other day, some of the meanest people are Christian people, church people. I'll say church people, not Christian people. Let's do it that way. But I'll tell you something. Some of the saddest people that I've seen are church people. And we ought to be the most joyous people in the world. We ought to be the ones that everybody looks at and says, man, they always got a smile on their face. They're always happy. They always light up the room when they enter it. But instead, sometimes it's the polar opposite of that. But being delivered from bondage ought to be a call for celebration. Over in Exodus chapter 15, just after they uh, come out of Israel, they had a song of deliverance. We think about that song that we sing, an old account is settled. Why do we sing that song? Because forgiveness of sin. Because we've been redeemed. Because God has wiped our slate clean. Not a single thing that that God has forgiven us of will ever, by God, ever be brought up to harm us again. There's an old song, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it says, What God has forgiven, He has also forgotten, and they'll never be remembered against me anymore. The payment for deliverance was paid at Calvary. If we were to turn over to First Peter chapter number 1, verse number 18, It says, for as much as you know that we were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversations received by traditions of your fathers. That's not how we were redeemed. But verse number 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The payment For our deliverance was paid at Calvary. And then number three, the perfect deliverer. We look back at our text and look at verse 15, 16 and 17. It says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, All things were created by Him, listen to this, and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. I say He's the image of the invisible God because the Bible says that no man hath seen God and lived. But we we didn't see Him, don't misunderstand, but God in the flesh was seen in Christ. He is the image of God. And he is the perfect deliverer. He didn't point. He didn't point to another that would deliver. John the Baptist pointed to Christ and the Holy Ghost points to Christ and Christ pointed to himself and to the Father. 
And in pointing to Himself, He pointed to the Father. In pointing to the Father, in return, He pointed to Himself. Today, we we live in a society, and, and, and I don't want to re-preach what we did this morning, but we live in a society where we try every other way except for Christ. But He's that perfect deliverer. Schofield said, Christ as the eternal Son holds the priority. John 1, 3, all things were made by Him. Christ created the principalities. He created the powers. If He created them, guess what He is? He's above them. He can control them. He's triumphed over them. Look at uh, verse number 15 of Colossians chapter 2. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing, triumphing over them in it. What is it? Well, just for kicks and giggles, let's go back to verse 14. Because of Calvary, because of the resurrection, verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. <laughs> Christ not only created the principalities and powers, but He's far above them, but He triumphed over them. And these powers of darkness, these principalities, these dominions that it talks about in verse number 16... These governments, if you will, they cannot stand against Him. They may think they can, but they can't. We could go through history and we could at least tell one side of the story where people have written on ships or people have written in books that they could not be sunk or that they could not be destroyed or that they would have dominion over this people or that country but still we find that they were defeated. Why? Because Christ created those dominions and those powers and those principalities. And for His sake, for God's sake, He can overcome them. So, in Christ, as a believer, our dominion or our deliverance, rather, is sure. If you're here tonight and you're lost, can I tell you that there is hope in Christ? We can rest our faith in this perfect deliverer. We don't have to try another. We don't have to hope in another or in ourselves or in our works or in our uh, finances. We can hope in Him tonight. Let's stand. I'm glad we've been delivered from darkness. I'm glad that it's not something that we have to stay in. Every once in a while, a Christian will find themselves in darkness. Most of the time, it's of their own making. But I'm glad even still, Christ can deliver us. Amen.